Welcome to Spiritual Coach. I'm the host with the most repping the Holy Ghost, Brandon Tribble. I appreciate you stopping by. Now let's get to work on them spiritual muscles. Hello and welcome back to Spiritual Coach. Today we're talking about how to serve. I'm going to start us off with a good little quote here by Watchman Nee. Real satisfaction is brought to the heart of God only when we are really, as people would think, wasting ourselves upon Him. It seems as though we are giving too much and getting nothing, and that is the secret of pleasing God. I always thought this was an awesome quote. And I've, I've been accused of uh, being obsessed with God. <laughs> I always thought that was such a funny um, comment that was made by a clinical nurse and said that I was clinically obsessed with God. She observed that all I ever do is post on my Facebook about God and Scripture and things like that. And it was this obsessed personality type thing. Uh, there was something wrong with me in this. And I always took great encouragement from that. I didn't take it as an insult. I took it as, thank you, Lord, that people see what I'm doing for you. People see and observe in my natural life, in my everyday life, that I'm trying to follow you, that I'm trying to spread your word, that I'm doing my best to be a good servant. And I, I think the misconception lies in the fact that most people think of God as a get-out-of-hell-free card in its crudest form. People think that God is here to help them, essentially is here to serve them, which he does. He serves us in many ways, but it's not because of how good we are, because we're owed it in any way. It's because of how good he is. But he is not some genie in a lamp that you rub three times and you get these three wishes. <laughs> At your beck and call, he's like, yes, what do you need? It should be the complete opposite, but that's not how we always treat Him. We should treat God like we are His indentured servants, and we're just waiting His beck and call. Man, I just hope He calls on me next, man. I just really am ready to get in there and help Him in some kind of way, serve Him in some kind of way because of how good he is and all what he has done for us. Just salvation alone, folks, should make us want to serve him for, the, for all eternity, at least for the rest of our natural lives. But we kind of don't really think about that. We, we think of this life as more of a vacation than a mission, more of a vacation than work when it needs to be the opposite. Of course, there will be times of relaxation and rest and and even fun, but that doesn't need to be our main focus. Our main focus needs to be, how can I serve God? 
But if you're like me, you want to serve God, but you don't always know how. And you don't know in what way for sure. You're like, I don't know exactly what I need to be doing. But let me encourage you with this. Sometimes being a servant is just doing what you know needs to be done. Helping where you can. Giving when you can. Being available. And sometimes not even being asked. When I was growing up, my parents used to say, I don't have to tell you what to do. If you know something needs to be done, like clean up your room, just do it. And that's a concept young folks take a long time to grasp. But as I became an adult, I walk around the house and don't need someone telling me what needs to be done most of the time, <laughs> outside of my wife having honeydews. I just normally know and do it. I see dishes in the sink and I do them. I see the laundry and I do it. I see that the grass needs to be mowed and I do it. And that, in a lot of ways, sums up our service to the Lord as well. You see someone in need, you help, at least to the best of your ability. Let's look at some scripture to help sum up that sentiment. Matthew 25, 34 through 40. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Surely I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. There's a lot of things that need to be done, folks. And all it takes is for someone just to look around and observe. You see a need, you feel a need. You see someone who's sick, you try to help them. You see somebody in prison that you know, go visit them. Or in the hospital, go visit them, if you can. You see a homeless person, try to help them in some kind of way. Give them some food. Talk to them a little bit. Maybe they just need somebody to show them that somebody cares. And that opens up the door to spreading the gospel, folks. Always keep that in mind when you're trying to help people. Let it be known that it is God through you that is helping them so that they can be thanking Him and thinking about Him throughout the day and giving Him the necessary praise. But something I heard in ministry school that always stuck with me was if you don't know what else to do, do the last thing God told you to. And if you don't know that, do what He told us to do in the Word. It's easier to steer a moving vehicle than a parked one. And when Jesus walked the earth, he served. Amen. He was constantly walking around doing something. And that is something I want to suggest to you. Don't just sit and wait for God to tell you from a big booming voice in the sky, hey, I need you to do this specific thing for me. And all in the meantime, you haven't done anything. 
Just do the things that he's told us to do in the word first. Then he will clearly guide you into more specific plans that he has tailored just for you to fulfill. But in the meantime, like I said, get to work and do something. And we can always look to Jesus as our ultimate example. If he was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and he came to serve, we need to be serving as well. Listen to these scriptures. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He literally laid his life down for all of us. But while he was here, he gave us examples of what we should be doing and going around and serving. Here's another scripture, Matthew 20, 20 through 28. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with their sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on, your, on the left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, We are able. So he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those whom it is prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Amen. He came to serve. He walked around helping folks. He gave his life for everybody. And anybody that wants to be great, hey, go serve. Amen. If you really want to be great in the kingdom, go serve from some folks. Here's another one, John 13, 3 through 17. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. 
For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. There's that golden rule, folks. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Now, who wants to get their feet washed? <laughs> Back in the day, people used to walk around everywhere. We didn't have the conveniences of having a car and driving to and fro. You had to walk pretty much everywhere you needed to go, unless you were rich and owned a horse or a donkey. But mo even most of the time, you were still walking. So people would walk in the street, and there would be animals in the street. And these animals have to go to the bathroom, and they don't wait. They don't wait to go to their homes to do it, you know, in the grass or something. They're just doing it as they're walking most of the times. And sometimes as you're walking, you may not always be paying attention. And you might step in some of that poop, especially if it's already covered up with some dust or dirt. You may not even see it. So a lot of times, people's feet might get a little poop on them as they're walking. They wore sandals and... That poop would sometimes wrap around those sandals and get on your feet. Well, it was a very humble thing for Jesus to want to wash his disciples' feet, to say the least. Uh, most people took care of the dirty business themselves. But every now and then, occasionally, a loved one would do it for you. But especially the God of all things, choosing to wash these dirty, at the very least, feet, but more than likely probably had some poop on there as well. Getting his hands dirty. And sometimes that's what it means to be a servant, folks. You just gotta get your hands dirty sometimes. You just gotta get in the grit and the grime and just take care of what needs to be done. And if you're thinking, I get to do this for the Lord, you become blessed. All right, we need to be servants like Jesus. If he's coming and doing all these things for us and serving us let's think about how we need to serve him I have a couple quotes that I got from this good book how to be a Christian samurai and they got these two quotes from a book called Hagakuri so I'm gonna read both quotes to you a man is a good servant to the extent that he earnestly places importance in his master this is the highest sort of servant it is sufficient to lay down one's body and mind to earnestly esteem one's master. It is further good fortune if more than this, one has wisdom and talent and can use them appropriately. But even a person who is good for nothing and exceedingly clumsy will be a reliable servant if only he has the determination to think earnestly of his master. Having only wisdom and talent is the lowest tier of usefulness. So basically he's saying just to have a mind of wanting to serve your master makes you the highest form of a servant. And then if you can add wisdom and talent to that, hey, power to you. Here's the second quote. Being a servant is being nothing other than being a supporter of one's Lord, entrusting matters of good and evil to him and renouncing self-interest. Men of high position, low position, deep wisdom, and artfulness all feel that they are the ones who are working righteously. But when it comes to the point of throwing away one's life or will for his Lord, all get weak in the knees. This is rather disgraceful. The fact that a useful person often becomes a matchless warrior 
at such times is because he has already given up his life and has become one with his Lord. Loyalty is said to be important in the pledge between Lord and servant. Though it may seem unobtainable, it is right before your eyes if you once set yourself to it. You will become a superb servant at that very moment. So basically, when you put aside your wants and your will for God's will, and when you choose to be a servant to the fullest, putting everything that He wants above what you want, you will become a superb servant at that very moment when you have made this life decision. So basically, folks, reliability obedience and devotion. These three are more important than the whole of wisdom and talent. And these three are far more obtainable if you seek only to apply them. You gotta want it, folks. You gotta have the desire. You got to want to please Him above yourself. Let's look at some more scripture here. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. See, God has entrusted us with the mysteries of God. He has entrusted us with His Word. He has entrusted us with His will and all of His ways. And He wants us to be good servants and stewards of these things. And in, in this process, he wants us to be faithful. Not just coming in and out of being servants. Not just handling it well sometimes and mishandling it others. But a consistent, ongoing faithfulness in serving him. I know we all make mistakes and we all mess up. We're not always the best witness for him. We're not always the best stewards. We're not always the best servants, but we got to try our best. Amen? Matthew 24, 45-47 Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master made ruler over his household, to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find him so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. Folks, Jesus is coming back. We don't know when, but it could be sooner than later. Don't you want to be serving him faithfully to the best of your ability when he's coming back? When he arrives, don't you want to be in the midst of serving him somehow with your life, with the best of your ability, serving him? He says he will make you ruler over all his goods. Another place says he will cause us to be rulers and reigners with him. We will rule and reign with Christ. He will give us many rewards for our efforts. So it's it's not a unpaid position, so to speak. He's, he's tallying up what you're doing for him. Make sure you're putting in work for the king. Luke 12, 35 through 37. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master, when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. 
Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. God's still going to be serving us? Come on, folks. We better be watching and waiting for him. Serving him, folks. Working for him to the best of your ability all the rest of the days of your life. He gives you 24 hours in the day, man. Do something with it. Serve your God. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now that mammon is money, folks. A lot of times people like to serve the quote-unquote almighty dollar. They like to work and get that money. And they spend most of their time trying to get money instead of pleasing God. And this is even believers. This is even people who say that they're a Christian. You're, you're a money grubber. You're greedy. All you want to do is get money. That's not what this life is about. You have somehow inadvertently made money your master. And trust me, you are its servant. Do not let this be so. If Jesus is your Lord, make him so. Follow him. Do his work. Yes, we all need money, but make money a means to an end. Not your whole reason for being. Not the reason you're on this earth. Not so that you can buy more things. That's not what this life is about. It's not about having a newer, nicer house, newer car, all the fine clothes, name brand. It's not about walking around bragging about all your accomplishments and all the things your money can buy. That's not what this life is about. It's about serving God. And then, hopefully, we can serve each other in this. One thing the Holy Spirit shared with me one day if you do to get, you really take. If you do to give, you really receive. See, sometimes we do things for other people so that we, we can get something in return. But that's not where the real reward is. It's when you do and not expect anything in return. That's when you shall receive a true reward from your master. Check out this next scripture, Galatians 5.13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So God has given us this great liberty, freedom in Him. But He says, don't use these freedoms for your flesh, for selfish gratification, but use the freedoms that God has given you to serve one another, to help each other. You see your brother or sister in need, help them. At least to the best of your ability. I know we can't always, and sometimes there's so many people that need help all at once, but help somebody. Help somebody at least every now and then. Find ways that you can help them, or find ways that you can get them help. 1 Corinthians 9, 19-22 For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law, not being without law towards God, but under law towards Christ, 
that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. So what's the purpose? I'm here, I'm a servant of Christ, and I'm gonna try to serve everybody that I can. Because in this process, I might can win some of them. I might can win some folks to Christ. I might can be used to help save a soul from hell. Whew. When we really think about what we're doing here, folks, and what we're doing in this world and why we're here, it's all about saving souls, folks. It's all about helping people to be won over to Christ. There is no greater mission. There is no greater plan. There is no greater goal that we can set and hope to achieve and help and win some soul to Jesus Christ and help save somebody from going to hell for all eternity. There's nothing more important, folks, that you could do with your life. Think and ponder on that right now. What can I do to help save somebody's life, help save somebody's soul? 2 Timothy 2, 20-23. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. Amen to that. I try to do my best to stay away from arguments, from disputes, from debates. All they do is generate strife. But somehow they keep finding me. <laughs> but nevertheless, let's make sure that we're vessels of honor instead of vessels of dishonor. And the way I like to say this is in our modern homes, many of us have had china cabinets where we keep our finest silver silverware or our gold silverware whatever it may be our finest china the best plates we only break them out at Christmas and Thanksgiving or some prestigious guests that may come we only use those for certain occasions and then switch it over to uh, just a family barbecue we got these paper plates and plastic forks and spoons we just are just ready to dispose of them as soon as we're done with them what kind of silverware do you want to be in God's kingdom? Do you want to be one that's gold or silver? Or do you want to be one that's plastic, easily thrown away? I don't know about you, but I want to be one of those gold or silver. I want to at least be one that's used for everyday purposes. I don't want to be in the plastic category. I don't want to be disposable. I don't want to be thrown away. I want to be constantly used for the Lord. Ask him. He will make it so. Colossians 3.23 And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not men. Folks, when you're working and grinding away at your everyday job, your 9 to 5 or what have you, and you're up there and you're bored and you wish you didn't have to be here, don't think that way. Think, I'm getting to serve God right now. I may not enjoy what I'm doing, but... He has provided a paycheck for me and my family, and 
Maybe it's a service of some kind. Maybe uh, you're helping the community somehow or you're helping other people in some kind of way. And think of it that way and, and draw enjoyment and fulfillment from that. And then think, I'm not doing this for men, but I'm doing this as a service to the Lord. And then you can do it heartily with all of your heart. Romans 12.1 I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. As servants, we need to think my whole body, my whole being is going to live for God. I am going to sacrifice my wants, I'm going to sacrifice my will, maybe even sacrifice my pleasure to be in service to God. And then our final scripture, Matthew 25, 21, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's a phrase that I think all of us. Christians want to hear when we make it to heaven. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have to make this phrase come to pass. You have to be a good and faithful servant for this to happen. You can't just live this whole life for yourself and then expect to hear this when you make it to heaven. You have to be a faithful servant. You have to be faithful over the things that he entrusts into your care. Then he will say this. Then you can walk into the joy of the Lord. Then you will be made ruler over many things. But we come to this question, folks. To serve or be served? That is the question. In a world that is trending towards selfishness, live a selfless life in constant devotion to your heavenly master. Serving Him and others for no other reason than the service itself. Showing true love by your unwavering obedience. Live to serve and die in service. Take up your cross daily. Serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the God of all things. And you truly will be blessed. And maybe hear that phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you for tuning in. Stay tuned to the next one. God bless you.